Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Rebecca. And this is Full Plate, Full Cup. We're startup leaders turned executive coaches who believe that you deserve to be wildly successful and wildly happy. We interview trailblazing entrepreneurs, business leaders, and creatives so you can peek behind the curtain of how they got where they are today and start carving your own path towards success. Each episode shares personal stories as well as actionable takeaways that you can apply to begin living a more joyful and fulfilling life. Join us to learn how to scale your business, harness your power, and fill your cup. If you like what you hear, subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. Thanks for listening. Priyanka, welcome to the Full Plate, Full Cup podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. You and I go back a little bit to back when I had a full-time job, and it's just been a joy to follow your journey since then. You've done so many amazing things. You've evolved your brand in such a beautiful way, and I cannot wait to have you share that story with our audience today. But before we dive in, I'm going to read a shortened version of the intro that you sent me because you've done so much, we had to shorten it for the podcast. So for everyone listening out there, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Priyanka Naik is a self-taught Indian vegan award-winning chef, Food Network champion, Quibi Dishmantled winner, TV personality, author of The Modern Tiffin, Washington Post columnist, and a TEDx speaker. Priyanka, along with her globally inspired, sustainably focused recipes, has been featured on Vice, The Kelly Clarkson Show, Forbes, Glamour, The Today Show, CNN, GQ, and more. Priyanka is a first-generation Indian-American. Her Indian heritage is very important to her cooking style and lifestyle, and she weaves in Indian elements throughout all of her original vegan cooking. You can find her on Instagram at Chef Priyanka. Priyanka, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. A delight to see you. You're always so bubbly and vivacious, and you just bring energy to everything that you do. So I first met you, gosh, maybe two years ago when I was working at Territory Foods. We did a meal collaboration together, and I was blown away to learn that on top of, at the time you were working on your cookbook, The Modern Tiffin, which I have, I love, got it right here. Thank you. Of course. So in addition to that and all the content that you create and all the brand partnerships that you were going after you also had a full-time tech job at Twitter. So as we often do, I would love to start from the beginning. When did you start creating the Chef Priyanka brand as a self-taught vegan Indian chef? And what did those early days look like of getting started while working a full-time tech job? So I think, to be honest, the the development of my brand was probably much earlier than I even realized. It probably even started when I was little because I was so obsessed with cooking and obsessed with, uh, I would say, sharing my creations, even just with family and friends when I was little before like the internet was like a thing. And I think it it wasn't until I would say high school and college where I started more broadly sharing my creations by at the time, just like bringing in things that I would bake at home uh, or when I started in the workforce after college, somehow incorporated food into my jobs, which had nothing to do with my culinary life. Like I have a degree in economics. I worked in tech and consulting and data science for years throughout my corporate life. So literally nothing to do with I would say food or the culinary world or media or kind of that type of creativity. But in every job I had, I somehow incorporated food. So like over 10 years ago, when I used to work at a small media agency, I led our analytics team there. I started this thing called a bread off challenge where every week me and someone else in the office would bake like the same type of bread, like, you know, one week we did focaccia, another week we did sourdough, and we would each bring in that type of bread that we baked and then do a blind taste test in the office with people. And then people would pick a winner. And honestly, yeah, like that had no business being there in that corporate world. But I was like, this is fun. And I sort of pitched it to internally as like a way to build culture. And it it really did. Um, But I think 
I probably was building my brand then only. And I didn't, that's not the way I thought of it, right? I wasn't like, oh, mm -hmm. this is going to build my brand. I was just like, oh, this is like part of who I am. And I need to incorporate food into everything I do. So I would say the building of my brand has been happening for years, much longer than I even realized. And it wasn't until I got on Food Network in 2017 now, which seems like a hundred years ago, but it was about <laughs> six years ago. And I competed on a show called Cooks versus Cons. And I won that show at the time making purely vegetarian food. And that really helped set the credibility for me as a cook and chef in the space, as someone who's self-taught, especially. But that's where like the key elements of my branding really started, like the red glasses. I wore them on the show. You know, I did that kind of without taking permission, meaning like I sort of just showed up to set that day with my glasses on. I intentionally left my contacts at home because I was like, you know, I'm not going to go on national TV. Even if I didn't win, it didn't matter to me. Like, I'm not going to go on national TV, not having some sort of standout feature or element. And like, I grew up wearing glasses my entire life. I have terrible vision. Thank you, dad. And me too. I, me too. Yeah. Oh. And like, I have like 50 pairs of glasses and it was a huge part of who I was like on a day to day. So I was like, okay, like I'm just going to wear one of my glasses. And that sort of became a standout element for me and that people were like tweeting, like being like, oh, like the girl, the Indian girl with the red glasses or like, oh, I love your glasses. And so uh, my sort of mission around being like trying to stand out did work. And then I started incorporating my glasses into my brand. So then I would say that year is when I started actually incorporating more details into my quote unquote brand. Wow. So, so you got on this Food Network show six years ago, Cooks versus Cons. When did you know, like, okay, it's time for me to audition for a Food Network show? What did that look like? Tell us all the details. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question because I kind of always grew up liking to be on camera. I think, like, I blame my parents for this because when we were little, my dad whenever we, he was home was always taking like home videos of me and my sisters and like my sisters would sing and dance and like play instruments. And I was just kind of there. And, but I was just like always in front of the camera, like just doing nothing. Like, I don't know, just talking or just like being animated. Like at the time there really wasn't any talent as like my sisters had, but I just knew I liked being in front of camera. And I think when I started my blog like 12 years ago, chefpriyanka.com, it was in an effort to share uh, the versatility and beauty of vegetarian food. And because I grew up in New York City and like I just felt that people didn't understand the versatility and yumminess of vegetarian food because I grew up as a vegetarian. So I started my blog in an effort to share those recipes. But then I was like, oh, I think I'm really good at this. You know, I think people like my recipes. I think they're different. And so I was obsessed with Food Network because I watched it growing up and there was no one ever that looked like me on there. And if they did look like me, they were kind of making like the very quintessential westernized Indian dishes. And I'm like, well, that's not really me. And like my focus and mission is different. And I felt like they needed someone like me on there and I auditioned. And I was rejected like multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I don't do well with rejection in the sense that like I will only accept rejection if it's a valid reason. And to me, none of them were valid. It was like, oh, the network's not ready for a vegetarian chef or like, oh, your brand's not strong enough or oh, like we're just not sure. And I just didn't like those reasons. So I just kept auditioning because I wanted to be on there. And I finally found this show, Cooks versus Cons, which is similar to a Chopped. I auditioned, I got on and like knowing that I do well on camera from, you know, my even my younger days, I was like, I think I would really excel at this because I'm good at cooking. I like being on camera and, you know, America doesn't have enough people that look like me on TV at the time. I mean, there's a bit more now, but honestly, still not enough. So even after being rejected multiple times, I found a way to get on. <laughs> Of course, knowing you, of course you did. Of course you did. But I, I like what you said about not accepting the reason for rejection, right? There's a difference between being unable to handle a no 
and questioning why the no happened, right? And almost right. using that as motivation to go back and try again and again and again until you make the thing happen. So, you know, a lot of people out there who work full-time jobs for someone else, they have this dream of starting their own business. Entrepreneurship is very sexy these days. Yeah. And they debate whether to build while they have that reliable paycheck or to, you know, risk a lot and go out on their own before they've really built the foundations of their business. Can you tell us about your decision to build with that paycheck in the background? I think that a lot of times personally, people think, oh, well, if I'm building my business while I have this other job, I'm not going all in. But I would say that it's really empowering to build a business while you have the support of a paycheck. So would love to hear about that from your point of view. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that went into sort of making that decision without really like choosing to make that decision. I think the first thing about me is I needed to work both sides of my brain. And I think I, you know, worked really hard in uh, school and trying to get these good jobs and being very skilled at the tech and product and data science part of my life. And I have an ego in the sense of like, well, I worked so hard to learn these things and to build on these things. And I went, I went to school thousands of dollars, you know, learning some of these skills. Like I just, I would feel bad and not fulfilling that part of my life if I wasn't actively pursuing and building on that part of my career. Also, when you work this hard to make yourself a name for yourself in that part of your career, there's also a huge cushion that comes with it, right? The salary, the benefits, like I've been fiercely independent my entire life practically. And like, yes, of course, I've had the, you know, support of my family and stuff, but not financially. And I had a certain and still do have a certain standard of living that I need to fulfill. And I'm not trying to make sacrifices anytime soon. Like my parents didn't come to this country just like many other immigrants coming to this country to make all these sacrifices they did for me to live a lackluster life. And I would feel badly not being able to apply my full potential to do that. So building on those careers that I had on the tech and corporate side, while it not maybe as sexy, it really helped like fuel and support my life. Like the only reason I was able to buy my first condo in Manhattan at like 26 years old was because of that life. Right. So there was, I've always been very practical and I didn't see a reason why I should forego that whole part of my life. Unless you're like a lawyer or a doctor or working some profession where you literally physically cannot you know, be a chef on the side, right? Like this only applies for certain types of career choices. So there was that aspect of it. And the other aspect is I am the type that will push myself. Like, I'm like, okay, well, why can't I do these things simultaneously? Like, I'm not a rocket scientist over here. Like I'm just working in consulting and in tech. It's not like I'm saving anyone's life. Like I can easily have a blog and attend events and make videos on the side. Like, I'm very focused on maximizing my time to the full potential where that's where I think a lot of people can do a lot better at. And I certainly can too, but I was just like, I have these hours in the day. Why wouldn't I use it to its maximum? Right. And that's also, that also came with sacrifices though. Right. Like I chose not to get married at certain ages or have kids and stuff. Had I done all that, then no, yeah, I wouldn't be able to like have this whole career in tech and like be a chef on the side. It's just not possible. So I picked and choose like kind of what I wanted to do because I selfishly wanted to build this these careers of mine. And honestly, like I see many people out there and not like dinging them in any way, but a lot of people, especially that I see online, you know, they have a very supportive partner and they're sort of living off that partner's salary. And like, because I, again, have, this independence and this ego, I refuse to do that, right? Like for me, I'm like everything I earn, I want it to be from me. So like that is what drove me to simultaneously manage these things. And I will keep doing it until I physically cannot anymore, right? Like it was becoming out of control. Like I don't necessarily recommend this lifestyle unless you are like me, where it's like you need to have all hours of the day fulfilled and be productive and do that. You really need to have the drive. 
And it also is like, I'm very passionate about the cooking thing, right? For me, it didn't seem like work. It was like, oh, this is where my creative outlet is. Like, this is where I can work that other side of my brain. Like, I need to do that. And to be honest, like, now not having the corporate part of my life, it took me many months to get used to this new life. And it really wasn't easy because if you've been working like that for over a decade, it's weird to have quote unquote idle time because I've never been used to that until now. So I, I want I want to dive into what happened last November in a minute. But first, I love what you said about maximizing your time, right? Because you were creating content, you were running your blog, videos, media appearances, writing a book, and working full-time at Twitter. How did you manage your time? Or is there like a specific tip or trick that you could give people to maximize their time for those who want to? I think it's what you value in life, I should say. So like for me, I'm not too into, and obviously when I was younger, like I definitely, you know, went out more and did those things. But for instance, when I, even unrelated to the food thing, when I bought my first condo at that age, when I did that alone, I didn't go out as much. I packed my lunch every day to school. I foregoed like many social trips and doing this and doing that because I knew like, I'm like, okay, my goal is trying to buy this place or saving enough to have this down payment. So there's no way I can do that by living this frivolous life, right? So I think it's a matter of what you value and also the amount of discipline and control you have. And in my case with the food stuff, I, again, was very passionate about the cooking thing. So like for me, it was very therapeutic. It was fun. I looked to it as an outlet. So it didn't seem like work to me. So many a times, yeah, I would forego doing a social gathering or event or whatever and make a video instead or like cook for myself instead or write my, you know, book or whatever instead. And I'm also a very like long-term thinker, right? Like, yeah, I could go to these five parties this week, but that's not going to help me become an author, right? So, and there are people who are, everyone's different, right? For me, like, I can't be like going out and partying and doing all this stuff and then doing all this stuff too, right? Like now I have a little bit more free time because my life has changed, but I think it's what you value, how you value it and what sacrifices you're willing to make with your time. I appreciate you talking about how you had to make choices, right? And how you probably still have to continue to make choices because there's sometimes this message of like, you can have it all, you can do it all. And I don't think it's true, right? Yeah. You, like, to an extent. To an extent, of course, of yeah. course. But you, it's up to you to prioritize what's the most important for you to focus on based on what brings you joy, where your passions are, what are your long-term goals? And so I appreciate you being honest about that. Um, so going back to Twitter things. So we ran into each other at a Meta Creator event earlier this year, and you openly shared that the adjustment to being laid off from Twitter late last year felt kind of difficult, right? Because you were no longer filling every hour of every day. How did you work through that? Because I imagine that whether or not you have your own business, that kind of sudden availability of time can be a difficult adjustment to anyone who's going to rely off. Yeah, it's, honestly, it's really weird. I think we, as especially our generation, and especially if you're from New York, in my case, like born and raised, like you're just you know, wired to want to make sure you fulfill every hour of your day with some sort of productivity. And I had to get used to like, okay, well, I'm not responsible now for this huge other chunk of my life that I formerly was. So I have to get used to that kind of like void essentially. And I had to change my perspective. Like I looked at it as like, holy shit, like, okay, I have nothing to do versus like looking at it as like, wow, all of this time is freed up. What can I do? Right. And also being comfortable with being uncomfortable and also being okay with like, when I first went to get like a pedicure in the middle of the day, I was like, I felt like I was doing something illegal. Right. Because like formally I had a job my whole life. And now I'm like, no, no, this is okay. Like I'm living a different life now. This is okay for me to do this because this time works. And also like 
seeking help and asking questions and like using therapy, I think is, are all valid and okay. And also being okay with like, I don't have to be like, I'm type A, obviously to no shock. And so it's like, I have to be okay with like, okay, I can just chill and it's, it's okay. And it took me a while to be okay with that and also to develop my own routine because I think that's the thing that was like messing me up because I had such a rigorous routine before with my other work and this work and so I would you know wake up and be like go 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 so now I use this time to develop my own routine and I think having that sort of routine and schedule has helped me be okay with my new life but also looking at all the benefits like Obviously, you know, I travel a lot for work. I do a lot of activations outside of New York and internationally. And I just went to Dubai for an activation that the UAE government invited me to. And like, I took my mom and like, formally, I would have probably never been able to do that because I can't just like get up in the middle of the week and go to Dubai had like, had I still been working at Twitter or anywhere else. So those are the things that I'm like, wow, this is, this is really cool that I'm able to do that and sort of looking looking at my time as now I can hustle even harder than I was before because I have the energy and the motivation and the time to do that. Whereas before I was working with very limited windows of time. Yeah. I love this idea of a perspective shift and I love it for you, right? That you're now able to, it sounds like, to do more of what you want to be doing and in the way that you want to be doing it even yeah. though I'm sure at first it was a total shock to the system, especially for someone like you, knowing you, to, to have more time than you were used to. So you've decided to go all in on Chef Priyanka, which we love. Congratulations. Thank you. Of course. How did you know that that was the right decision for you rather than going and looking for another full or part-time job? A couple of things. One is I was already trying to figure out my exit strategy, like the corporate world. And I think one of the things that I had to also be okay with once I got laid off was that I didn't control that situation, right? I think especially for entrepreneurs and people who have this personality type, you always want to be in control. And I think what happened was like, I didn't control that. And I was like, you know, you don't want to end your career on like, Hey, I got laid off, you know, but I also was like, okay, but I got laid off with like thousands of other people. And it's not like I was a top performer at the company. It's not like I got laid off because I sucked, you know? So I think getting, coming to terms with that too, was something that took me time to do. And so because I was already planning my exit strategy, I was already in the mental space of like, really going more in on Chef Priyanka. I think the reason why I have not or do not plan on looking for another job is because ultimately, like having now worked for over 10 years across a lot of major publishers and brands like Bloomberg and Condé Nast and Twitter and et cetera, you're, while that'll always be like, there'll always be good jobs and they'll challenge me and whatnot, It'll never be my thing. And like, I can't afford to go to another company and learn about that company and quite frankly, like pretend like I care as much about it as I do Chef Priyanka when I'm never going to because I never built those things from the ground up, right? And I've done some really cool stuff at some of these companies and I've had really great teams and managers and honestly, like a huge reason why I've been able to parallel path both careers for so long is because I took learnings from my tech and corporate world and applied it to Chef Priyanka, right? Like there was a lot of cross contamination or, or whatever, you know, cross whatever you want to call it between those two areas of my life. And I just can't see myself, you know, going to another company and, and, I'm at a certain level now where I'm not junior, right? I'm kind of mid to senior roles and really have to be all in. And I'm not, it would not be fair to those companies, to those teams for me to be like, hey, I'm coming and taking a job when I know I don't care as much about it as I do my own career. And this is where the time piece I think is relevant again, because like I've always thought and you know the closest people in my life always said like while I was in those corporate companies 
the time that I was applying to Twitter, let's say if I was applying that to Chef Priyanka, imagine what I could have done, right? The only huge challenge is like the financial piece, right? And that's where, especially if you're doing anything creative, like a cooking, a, a painting, an art, a singing, unfortunately, the way this world operates is if you, there's minimal capital associated with it, if you're not like making it really big or doing amazing, huge brand partnerships. And I think that's where the challenge lies because the financial security is very, is very weak in, in these, you know, arenas of life, which that's why I was parallel pathing these things for so long. Um, and I do wish that the world changes where if you are talented and creative, like you don't have to depend on another career or job to fuel that part of your life. The number one thing people ask us is, how do I heal from burnout and how do I prevent my burnout from coming back? We've been teaching burnout busting tools to our one-on-one -on -one executive clients for years. And now we are bringing these strategies directly to you with our first ever digital course from burnt out to lit up. Over four weeks, we'll guide you step-by-step -step to get your group back and reclaim your life. And if you're thinking, I have no time for this, we've got you. This no fluff course is intentionally designed to take less than 20 minutes each day and will not only leave you feeling more engaged and enthusiastic, but will also set you up to keep burnout at bay for the long haul. Use code podcast to get $30 off your course fee. To learn more about this course and to sign up, visit fullplatefullcup.com slash course. Again, go to fullplatefullcup.com slash course and use code podcast for $30 off. You deserve to beat burnout for good and feel like you again. Yeah. Well, congratulations on going all in. You Thank know, you. one of course, one one thing that Amanda and I love about you is that you fully own who you are. I think that is apparent within 30 seconds of meeting you. And you know what you bring to the table and you are not afraid to talk about it. So where do you find that inner confidence, especially when you're in the room with industry titans, right? As, as a self-taught vegan chef. Would love to hear about that. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I don't know. I think I have, I just spoke on a panel the other day for Vegan Women's Summit and it was talking about, the panel was about like how writing a book has transformed our brand. And one of the questions similar to this was like, what is the unique factor about your brand? And I think for me, it's it's always been like, I've always felt like I was unique in general, not because I'm like, oh, I think so highly of myself or I think I'm so special, but I do think that my perspective on the world is is a little bit unique. And I feel like my way of life and what I have to say, I'm not saying I'm the only one doing it. I'm saying that I'm probably one of the few that's willing to share it. And so whether I say something that may be the same as someone else or is not earth shattering, the fact that I'm sh knowledge sharing, I think is important in itself. So I think that's where a lot of my confidence probably comes from is that I am the type that if I learn something that is a fact or see something that is to be true, like I will do anything in my life to try and, you know, incorporate that. And for instance, like, you know, the veganism thing, the reason why is because it's for ethical environmental reasons. Like I just cannot learn about all these things and be like, okay, I'm going to go on my life and not do anything about it. Like I, as an individual can make a difference. And if I share that knowledge, then hopefully I will positively affect someone else and they may make a difference too. Right. So I think that's where my confidence comes from. It's just, I really feel very strongly about the life that I lead. A lot of it does have to do not only with what I've learned myself, but also with my culture and I think there's a lot that can be done and achieved if people just knowledge shared more versus, you know, pointing fingers or being negative. Like, I am the type, again, that will be like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Like, feel free to do it. Like, I'm never going to shame you for doing what you're doing, but I'm just going to show you maybe a potentially better way to do things, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just, and and I will never speak on behalf of things that I don't know about, right? I think that's to your point earlier, like I'm very self-aware and I think that's also probably where some of my like 
my strength and confidence comes from. Like, I'm never going to speak on behalf of things that I'm not well versed in. Like, it's just not who I am. And, you know, I will only speak on behalf of things that I really care about and know a lot about. And yeah. So what would you tell someone who has knowledge to share? They want to put it out into the world, but they're absolutely terrified to take that first step. I think the best piece of advice that I can give, and this is probably like something they've heard already, is to you just have to start, right? When I started my blog, this was in like the blogging era, right? When Instagram wasn't like a thing, TikTok did not exist. Like we didn't have any of these things, but the blogs were where we would share, in my case, recipes and stories. I was like, whatever, like, I'm going to put this out there because this is my personal story with this recipe. And this is what I think. And people started enjoying it. So I think you won't know unless you start, right? You just have to start. And I'm not saying, oh, everyone needs to like go and try to be like camera ready and all that. No, some people just have a natural knack for things. But I think in the case of if you have some knowledge and you want to share it, that desire is coming from someplace, right? So The only ways you could share it are, in this case, like social media. And to be honest, we're very blessed to have social media now. Because like back in the day, people would have to like write a book, right? Like that, like they didn't have social media. They didn't have or they would have to try to get on TV or there was meaning there were such minimal ways to get your knowledge and stories out there that we should not take for granted what is in front of us, right? Like we have so many free resources there. You could even do like an anonymous account. You don't even have to put your face and name on it. But if there's knowledge you want to share, you could start getting it out there. So I think the best piece of advice is you just have to start. And I would say it has to come from a good place, right? Like I see so many people like putting stuff out there just because they're trying to like make a buck and stuff. And it's like, that's lame. Like I'm not, I could see right through that. And a lot of people can. So I think it's important that you have to start and it has to come from a good place. Yes. Just get started. And when you get started, you never know what will happen, but there's only one way to find out. And that is to do the damn thing. So I'm something- sorry about the, if you hear this weird noise, do you hear? I don't hear, I don't hear a weird noise. Okay. It's New York life. Noises happen, right? Yeah, I can, I don't I've know. had drilling outside my window for a month now by like okay. grace of who knows what. It is not happening today. <laughs> I'm like, I got it. I don't know what they're doing. Right. So the things we put up with in this place. So, so something that I that I say a lot is that you have to be your own biggest cheerleader and you fully embody that. And a lot of people are afraid to speak about their qualifications and their accomplishments because they don't want to brag. They don't want to come off as overbearing, right? Whether it is in a media pitch, in a job interview, in a meeting, what have you. How do you promote yourself in a way that gets others pumped up about what you're doing without turning them off? Because I think it's a real gift of yours. Thank you. I think... I think because I've struggled so much to be accepted in the culinary world as someone who really hasn't taken any traditional path at all. Like I chose not to go go to culinary school. I taught myself I'm vegetarian and vegan now. I'm brown. I'm a female. I don't look like a chef. Like there are so many things that were working against me to get to where I am even today that it sort of just became almost natural for me to be like, hey, like, these are my accolades. Like, this is why I'm credible. Like, I need you to listen to me because of this, this and this, right? And I think probably a lot of women face that too, right? It's like, it's less about being the loudest person in the room and more about like, how can I be the most accomplished person in the room, but still be like coy about it, right? And I've just never been the coy type person because I'm like, Why should I be when everyone else is like boasting about their shit? You know, like I absolutely like I've again, like taken a very atypical path and it's not like, oh, I planned this out like this. These are the things I'm going to do, but this is what's happening. And I think it's okay because in this field, unlike the more traditional fields, like becoming a doctor, like you need to go to law school to become a lawyer. You need to go to medical school to become a doctor. Like you can't, there's no way around that. 
However, you don't need to go to, you know, Juilliard to become a singer. You don't need to go to culinary school to become a chef. Like with the creative fields, there's a lot more flexibility. There's a lot more options. And I think that I have been trying to kind of shout that from the rooftops because I didn't go to culinary school because they don't focus on Eastern cultures at all or barely, and they make you cook meat. So I'm like, why should I go there? Because my whole premise is sharing my culture and vegan food through my craft of cooking. So that's why it's been just like part of my personality almost now just to be like, hey, this these are my accolades and this is what I've done because I need you to listen to me because I'm not just like some random person that's talking about this. So I think for anyone, I would say my advice there is, again, if you have something to share, just share it and but do it tastefully, right? Like. Meaning if you read my bio, yes, there are like a lot of things in there. There's also not a lot of things in there that I left out that have happened, but I pick and choose like, these are the ones that I think are going to stand out the most that I feel like from a mainstream standpoint, people will then be like, oh, okay, like this girl may know what she's talking about, you know, and um, it is a little bit of like a game, but like, why not? Like everyone else is doing it. So I'm going to do it. For sure, for sure. And it's also choosing what accomplishments and accolades you want to share that are going to connect most with the audience that you're speaking to, right? You don't need to yeah. give 10 items if there's one or two that are going to be super impactful and memorable to that particular audience. So speaking of promotion, your book, The Modern Tiffin, it's one of, I literally have six cookbooks in my apartment because we don't got room for many more. <laughs> and this baby is one of them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not only is it vegan, but it's also sustainably focused. And so I'm really curious what ignited your passion for sustainability? I think just I, since even being younger, like I was the type that if you, and God, I hope people still don't do this, but like if you spit gum on the sidewalk or like throw stuff at your car window, like I would always freak out because I'm just like, and this is not even knowing so much at the time when you're little about all this stuff, but it was just, I was just more like, why is this happening? Like, I feel like that's just so disrespectful. And I think I kind of had like a, has probably a lot to do with my culture because we just obsessed with being MacGyvery about food and using things to its fullest extent. Like there's always that joke, like, every immigrant household is going to have that one cabinet book filled with plastic bags. Like I just grew up like that, right? Like you get those plastic bags from the grocery store. We saved every one of them, right? We used it to line garbage cans. We used it to carry food, like whatever, you know, like we always packed food at restaurants and like, I'm a small eater. So like I would end up with like basically a meal and a half. Like, why would I go throw that out? I grew up in a household where my mom, I was the youngest. I had to sit down at the dinner table first because I ate really slow and I was the last one to get up because she was like, you're not getting up until you finish everything on your plate. And so it was just a lot of those values were instilled in me already. And I think honestly, not enough of that was instilled in like Americans and kind of the Western world. I think they're very wasteful here and take a lot of things for granted, which I don't like. And after having, you know, grown up and done my own research further on this, I realized it's much worse than I realized, just in terms of how our actions have detrimentally affected the environment. So I started challenging myself more, especially during COVID, where we couldn't order out as much or even go out to eat. I'm like, what can I do with the stuff that I have at home? Or if I do order, how can I repurpose this to make new meals? And so I really challenged myself there and use that as a time to develop my own knowledge about it and then continue sharing it. So I do think it's really important. And I find that people will be more willing to live more green and sustainably before they are to go vegan. And to me, like, I don't care what you're doing and in what order, as long as you're trying to do something, right? Like, I'm not telling you to go give up meat completely, but if you are now packing your food at restaurants, like, great, that will alleviate it from like ending up in a landfill because most restaurants don't compost. So for me, it's incredibly important because I grew up like that, but also like there are 
our own country, along with many countries around the world, are struggling to feed people, to have access to water. Like, I just can't. It's not okay, right? We're already being wasteful. We're already detrimentally affecting the environment. And then there's literally people who live in food deserts who don't have access to it. Like, I just can't wrap my head around it. So whatever we can do as individuals who are in a privileged place to do something, like, we should do it. So I will share however much I can around that. Yeah. It's so funny you mentioned the plastic bag thing. I was just home two weekends ago and my parents still like plastic Ziploc baggies. Ever since I was a kid, they rewash them and reuse them. I I went to like pack some food to take back to New York and there was a bag Sharpie labeled tilapia like 2015. I was like, yeah, I got this. And they were like, it still works, right? Yeah. Why not? Like it's no one is better than reusing stuff, you know, like (laughs) for sure, for sure. So, so outside of reusing plastic bags, if someone wants to start cooking or maybe just living more sustainably, what is one place where they can start? Honestly, the best piece of advice I have here is the most like green thing you can do in that regard is to use what you have. So I, I don't know. It's literally, that's what it is. Like whatever you have at home, continue using. I really have tried to minimize buying things just to buy and also try to compost. So I would say those are the two things. And most people who have backyards and live in a place where they have access to outdoor areas, it's very easy to compost. For people like me or maybe even you, I don't have a backyard. I don't have anything like that but I compost every single week. And the way I do that is by freezing all of my scraps and then taking it to the Union Square Farmer's Market. Most farmer's markets have compost bins and I think we should make use of that. And also we're lucky in New York, it's free. A lot of states don't even offer free composting. So if you're in New York, like that is thing you could do for free. So I would say use what you have and try try to compost. There you have it. There you have use what we use what you have. That's like a mantra for everything, right? Yeah. Um, so Priyanka, we know that you are a totally badass entrepreneur. You are a creator, you are an author, you are a TV personality. What has been your biggest learning in building your own business? Oh, uh, I think patience. I have zero patience. Um as a human. And I've really tried to work on it over the years, just personally and professionally. But I think having patience is is really key, regardless of what business you're trying to build. Um, because patience not only allows you to see things a little bit more clearly and change your perspective when necessary, but also to not jump at the first opportunity or the first offer. I think it's incredibly important to be insightful about the decisions you're making and what you're doing. And I think that's something that I've had to learn. So I think patience is definitely uh, my hardest quality to continue like fostering, but also the the thing that I've learned the most out like in terms of building this whole business and brand. It's all a practice, right? Like we all have those things that we are kind of constantly working on throughout our whole lives that these themes that just keep coming up and coming up despite how much we just want to like bury them and move on. Yeah. Um, So for someone out there who wants to forge their own path, right? What advice would you give them? That's a good question. I think it depends on what, what you're looking to do and and sort of doing your due diligence, right? In my case, I felt that, and there still is, and I, I felt that there was a huge gap in the culinary and media and sort of publishing worlds of really talking about this sort of cleaner, vegan, sustainable life. Because as I mentioned, a lot of these practices and what we do, they're rooted in ancient, mostly ancient Eastern and South American cultures. And quite frankly, I really get frustrated when I see a bunch of like blonde white women being like, oh, I'm making a golden milk latte. It's like, that's not a golden milk latte. Like you should be respectful to where, like what the origins of these ingredients are from. And like, 
it it just that type of stuff obviously pisses me off. So to me, there was multiple gaps around the industry just in terms of representation, knowledge sharing, authenticity, origin of ingredients, all of these things. And I felt like I'm not as one person going to fulfill all of these gaps, but I like focused on the gaps that were most important and relevant to me, like the veganism gap, the cultural gap and the sustainability gap. Uh, gap. So because I chose those three, those were kind of the lanes that I'm staying in, right? So I think for anyone who's trying to quote unquote forge their path, you have to do your due diligence in in identifying where do the gaps lie and what am I filling? Because like, to be honest, like I don't think we need another like fitness guru out there telling me how to make a chia pudding. And like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so saturated across all of these categories across social. I'd really like people to do more due diligence in and be a little bit more thoughtful about what they're trying to do. And so Priyanka, I know you're always up to something. So I have to ask, what is next for you? You know, that's actually a good question. I I don't have too many, it's nuts. I don't have like too many things on that are completely ironed out yet. There's like, a, there's a couple of projects that are in the works that I can't share just yet. Yeah, this is this is the first time I'm like stumped. I, I feel like I have to get back to you, but I have a ton of brand <laughs> partnerships in the work, which like I constantly share on social. I have a really fun thing going on right now with Fox and Gordon Ramsay's new show called Food Stars. I have a couple of more international activations coming up, which aren't solidified just yet. So I can't can't share just yet. I know. I may have a pop-up with Cafe Gratitude in LA in the Um, So definitely more on that if that happens. I might be launching um, kind of my own line of colors with Sunday Studios, which is a vegan, non-toxic, like cruelty-free nail studio here in New York City. Um, They're awesome. So that might be coming in the fall. And then I am trying to work on my second book proposal. I don't have a deal or anything yet. It is in the works. It's just, I, you know, I'm still, I'm still pushing my first book out there. And I think people are always quick to be like, oh, when's the second one? It's like, well, my first baby just came out, you know? Yeah, enjoy it. Having her moment. So more on the second one when that happens. And then I do have um, a sustainable line sweatsuits coming out with um, Pangaya, which is a UK-based sustainable brand. So that should be launching, I believe, next month. What else? I think that's... You have one or two things going on, my friend. Yeah. I feel like, again, usually I'm like, I have like 10 things lined up. So I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, it's like, it's a slow time right now. (laughs) No, but you know what, though? I love the honesty of this answer because it's just the reality of being an entrepreneur, right? There are times where your head is down and you don't have a moment to breathe. And there are other moments where kind of everything's just in flux. And I think that it goes back to this idea of patience that you've been practicing, right? It's, It's another opportunity to cultivate patience and see what happens. And I, I can't wait to see all of these in progress partnerships and happenings that you just shared come to fruition. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I will obviously keep you posted on everything, but I really do appreciate your support. Always. So we have three rapid fire questions we ask every one of our guests. First one is, what is your best tip for working smart? Oh, for working smart. I would say like triage your your assignments kind of like they do patient triage in hospitals. I think it's important. What an analogy. I know, right? It's just as important, you know, patients in hospital. No. But I think it's important to, I think sometimes in in this sort of life, it gets overwhelming because you feel like you have to address everything at once and you don't have to, right? Like that's where the triaging is very important. So you know what to prioritize and when. So I would say that's it's kind of similar to like using your time efficiently. Right. So I think triaging your tasks and your projects and your to do's um, can make for really smart working time. 
Beautiful. And what is your best tip for working happy? Oh, um, I think, well, I don't know. This is just a personal me thing, but I like to set like, like small daily goals. Like I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to finish these five things before I eat lunch, you know? And like, then I look forward to like my lunch. Cause obviously eating is very important to me every day. So I think what makes me happy is feeling accomplished. So if I feel like, okay, I've done these things before lunch, which is a simple thing that I feel like all, a lot of people do. But if I feel like I do that, then I'll feel very accomplished. So I'm not like thinking about it during lunch. And I think kind of a, a point that was like a 1A, but a 1B in terms of working happy is making time for yourself, especially during mealtime. Like I'm, it, regardless of whatever stage I've been in my career, in my life, I've always sat down and eaten. Like I've never been eating on a train, eating on the go. Like if I'm in those situations and I will just wait to eat, but like, that's how important I think eating is for me that I will sit down and eat because like, I just can't eat any other way. Plus I'm very clumsy. So I think making time for yourself to actually be like, I'm eating my meal now and I'm focusing on this. I think people take that for granted. So that, that makes me a very happy worker in, in practicing that. Most on-brand work happy tip we've heard yet. <laughs> and finally, Priyanka, where can people find you? You can find me everywhere. I'm an oversharer. So you could just, <laughs> I'm Chef Priyanka across all socials. And I have a really fun column called Eco Kitchen in the Washington Post, which I always advise everyone to subscribe to because it's free. And it's an eight-week oh. newsletter on how to live a more green and eco-friendly life. And kind of if you like the stuff that I shared today in terms of just like how to be a more thoughtful, sustainable person, like that's exactly what that newsletter shares. So I think that's a great place to reach me as well. And yeah, I would say Google me, but yeah, Chef Priyanka is where, where's where you'll find me. Amazing. Well, Priyanka, thank you so much for being on Full Plate, Full Cup today. It was a joy to talk to you. And we cannot wait to see what you get up to next. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Full Plate, Full Cup. If you found this episode helpful, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend. To learn more about the Full Plate, Full Cup methodology or to work with us in a more personal way, find us on Instagram at Full Plate, Full Cup. That's at F-U-L-L-P-L-A-T-E. F-U-L-L-C-U-P or online at www.fullplatefullcup.com www.fullplatefullcup.com